Hello, everyone. Jane A here from Your Way Weight Loss. And today we have Mr. Robert J. Davis, author of Supersized Lies. Welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be with you guys. We're so happy you're here. Um, I mean, we kind of have a, an interesting background or story when it comes to us reading your book. So your book came to us um, kind of in a in a way where I, I so I got this message from uh, someone in your book publishing company. Um, and it was like, we want you to read this book because we feel like it would go well with your message at your weight loss. And I was like, send it over. That's basically how it happened. Um, I got the book in no time and I read it in three days. So if everyone's wondering, like I, I it was a perfect weekend to receive that book. And I really, it really like, I was really captured in, your captured, attention. Yeah, it really captured my attention and I loved the flow of it. It was an easy read. Anyways, we're going to talk more about the book. Of course, we're just really excited to have you on our podcast. So thank you for saying yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's so nice to hear coming from somebody who obviously focuses so much attention on the issue. So that's that's great to hear. Thank you. Um, before we get started into the book, I want to know how you got to where you are. Like, how did you write? Why did you write this book? There were some steps that happened in your life before you wrote this book. Well, you know, I have been a health journalist for many years covering all kinds of health issues. But but my particular interest is on nutrition, fitness, weight, uh, diet. Those are the issues that I have a personal passion for because I'm an avid exerciser. I'm into health. I try to watch what I eat. And so those are issues I've covered. So, so that's, I, I come at it from my work as a reporter, as a journalist, uh, but also I have an academic training in public health. I have a training in epidemiology and public health. So what I've tried to do in my career is to combine those to look at the science. You know, we hear so much confusing information, conflicting information. Uh, people are overwhelmed with all kinds of hype and, and, and all kinds of stuff that they can't work their way through when it comes to diet and weight loss. And so what I've tried to do is to draw on my training and help readers and viewers and my audiences that I write for um, understand what's believable and what's not, to do what they either don't want to do or maybe don't have the training to do, to look through the studies, figure out what's believable, what's not, what's true, what's half true. And so I've done that in previous books I've written on, on uh, exercise and diet. But here I've tried to focus specifically on weight loss and and do exactly that here to, to sort through all the hype and stuff that all the noise that accompanies a weight control. Oh, oh my gosh. Geez. That's our word. Our word is noise. <laughs> oh, you did. No, you totally listened to our words. You, you <laughs> creeped us before this moment because that's exactly the word we use that the diet industry is creating noise and people are confused. As you said, you have an, a really an amazing background, Robert. I have to say, I, when I got your book, obviously creeped you, Googled you. And, uh, I was like, man, this guy, this guy is someone, this guy's a big deal. Um, so I mean, congrats on all of your uh, accomplishments, but you do have an, an amazing background. So when I saw the book, supersized lies, I'm like, what are the lies? Is he going to talk about? Do they, do they match what we call noise? And that's exactly what it was. Um, and before we get into the questions, sorry, I interrupted you. I just wanted to say that it was, I loved reading your book. It was so palatable, like it was so digestible, but clearly still based on science. And you could see that you had researched it and and all of that. So like, if, if anyone is wanting to read this, it's a great, easy read. Well, thank you for saying that. And I, and I, I like to tell people that 
you know, if you're if you like to nerd it up and go look at the studies, I have over 300 studies listed citations of things that I talk about. But at the same time, I've, I've sort of put those in the back and try to make the read as easy as I can, because most of us obviously are not inclined to go look at the study. But if you are, if you want to dig further, they're there. And you can all and if you're questioning what I said, I mean, I invite readers to go look and judge for themselves. But but the science is there. But I've tried to make it understandable or as understandable no, as I can. Did, you did a good job. You did a good job. I mean, I'm not like a. I'm not a big reader. Let's just say that. And you did, you did a good job. Um, I mean, I, I feel like maybe that's why I read it really quickly because there was a big section at the end that was you basically <laughs> writing down all the studies you had referred to. And I was like, man, this guy really did his research before doing this book. And, and I just loved the examples when you said a certain, when you had a certain lie or a certain statement that you wanted to talk about it, your your examples weren't um they were very interesting to read like they were like oh wow this is a fun experiment that people did at one point and and learning and just seeing that progress from years back just years back like clearly you know the no carbs well we're still here and we're still dealing with obesity so obviously that wasn't the answer and then like kept going and i just we just loved it because if you know anything about your weight loss we are all about like there there is no magic and there's a lot of noise and we're trying to help people with the noise of the diet industry well yes and we, we certainly agree on that there's there's overwhelming noise um, one thing I keep saying, I'm going to say one more thing and then get into the questions, but one more thing before I get into the questions, what I loved was also you bringing awareness onto the studies and who's paying for these studies. And one that I really loved was the Kellogg's one and the whole breakfast is the most important meal of the day and how that kind of came about with the invention, let's say of cereal. I thought that was so interesting. I really enjoyed that. Well, yeah, there's some great, thank you. And there's some great stories. I mean, a lot of these pieces of advice we hear and we consider them to be truisms, things we hear all the time and nobody questions them. But what I've tried to do is go back and trace the history of these ideas to figure out where they came from, who is behind them, and then who benefits from perpetuating these ideas, which in many cases are either misleading or flat out wrong. And that's a good example, the breakfast example, where we hear all the time, you know, you need to eat breakfast. Don't skip breakfast if you want to control your weight. And that's something I actually told people for years, you know, if you want to, you know, if you're concerned about your weight, make sure you eat breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. But as I got into researching this book and learning more, what I found was that that idea, as you say, goes back to the actually early 1900s to the cereal industry, which has been pushing this idea through advertising, both Kellogg's and and, and, and post, post, uh, post Great Nuts was an early advertiser of this idea. And so making everyone think that you need to eat breakfast to be healthy and you need to eat breakfast to control your weight. And so I traced this idea and, 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 and then showing later on how uh, cereal companies have actually sponsored research to show correlations between eating breakfast and lower weight. But what obviously correlation is not the same thing as causality. So just because, causation. right, just because there's, a correlation doesn't mean one causes the other. And when there have been studies that can show causality, so-called randomized trials, what they've shown is that eating breakfast doesn't necessarily lead to lower weight. And in fact, in studies, in some studies, people actually consume more calories when they eat breakfast. And so the bottom line there is not that you should or should not eat breakfast. The bottom line is you should do what your body and your schedule and your mood tell you to do, but not to feel that you have to eat breakfast um, if you're not inclined to do so. So that's the bottom line there. And yet we continue to hear, despite this evidence, that you got to eat breakfast. It's, it's crucial if you want to control your weight. We love you. 
Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, no, yes. this, is, this yes. is exactly what the humans, we call the society, the humans, that, that this is what they need to hear. And we have the same message. This is, this aligns so well. Um, you know, and that was one study that I was like, Oh, I see it. And the breakfast one with the cereal and, and with Kellogg's and the other one, like the superfood, the avocado and how, you know, and how one of the researches show that the, it was actually from the, that company that was trying to basically sell avocados. Um, anyways, it was so so interesting. There's so much, like we could go legit from page one to the last page and find links to your weight loss with your book. So, I mean, obviously we're, we're, we are promoting your book on this podcast because it is very much, uh, there's a lot to it that we, that is very linked to our message. Um, so I think we should just go into it because I mean, I could, there's so many thoughts. I feel like if we go to certain things, we'll actually end up in, um, in a good amount of time. <laughs> I mean, we just hit breakfast. That was amazing. And we saw the same thing. We saw some of our members actually going to Tim Hortons and ordering a muffin and a fancy drink because they felt like they should eat breakfast. And then we were like, actually, why are you eating breakfast if you're hungry? And they're like, wait, I can do that? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, okay. <sighs> where to start? Where to start? Um, okay. We talk a lot about calorie deficit. We, we teach our members that it is energy balance. Is it really that simple? It is not that simple. Now, that's not to say that calories don't matter. Energy balance does matter. If you take in more calories than you burn, you're going to gain weight and vice versa. If you take in fewer, you're going to lose weight. So, so that's just a biological fact. The problem is I'd like to say calories count, but counting calories doesn't usually work. And there are a number of reasons for that. But what most people find is that, number one, you can't do it very accurately. It's very, very hard to do precisely. So even if in the U.S., for example, um, the, the calorie counts on packages are allowed to be up to 20% off. So that means that, you know, you, even something that looks at big, bold number at the top of the package, you think, oh, I'm getting, you know, 172 calories. That's not accurate. And then obviously there are plenty of foods we eat that don't have calorie counts. If you cook at home, if you go to a party, if you go to someone's house, and if you go to certain restaurants where they don't have calorie counts in the menu. So then it becomes even more difficult. You can use an app, but that's very frustrating. So number one, it's just very hard to do correctly. And then it's hard to know how many calories you're burning or how many calories you need to burn to be in, in negative energy balance. So, so the other equation, uh, other part of that equation is equally difficult. So the, so the first thing there is it's just very hard to do accurately and people end up banging their heads against the wall to try to do this uh, in a way that's going to matter. So that's number one. But number two is that we it, that calorie counting doesn't take into account what, how our bodies actually work. And what that is, is that as we, uh, as we reduce calories and lose weight, our metabolism slow down. So that we need to take in fewer and fewer calories in order to maintain the same weight. So it's not a linear process. It's not just, well, if you cut down to X then you'll keep losing weight because our bodies, since we had this evolutionary gift, which is that we, it, that, that, that biology protects us from wasting away in time of famine or in time of scarcity. So we have, we have this, this effect on our metabolism. That's a good thing that most of us don't have to face that these days in modern society. The bad thing though, is that as we're trying to lose weight, it becomes increasingly difficult because essentially our biology is fighting us. And so, uh, so that is a factor. Our genetics are factor. We all know people that, you know, people we hate who can eat whatever they want and they never gain an ounce. And we know other people that may eat just very little and they gain weight. So genetics play a role in whether we gain weight or how much weight, weight we gain from the foods we eat. And then I talk in the book also about the microbes in our gut, our microbiome. 
and that's an in increasing area of interest to researchers um, because that affects the calories we actually absorb from the food we eat. You know, because it's not just the calories we put into our mouths. What really matters is how many of those calories our guts actually absorb. That that is what determines how much weight we gain from the food we eat. And so that varies from person to person, and researchers are learning more and more about that. So there are these other factors related to our biology um, beyond just how many calories we consume. So the point of all this is that it is highly complicated. Our weight regulation is highly complex phenomenon. So saying simply, it's just a matter of how many calories you put into your body is a gross oversimplification. That's why I think in many cases, calorie counting um, is disappointing or the whole, that looking just to calories as a way to control weight ends up disappointing people. Yeah, and, and we've actually moved our, our, our members away from trying to count calories for that exact reason that we saw the frustration and we saw the estimations and estimating what was going in and estimating what is going out. Um, you know, but still telling them that how you will lose weight is by creating a calorie deficit in your body. Um, but, uh, my question is, while you're thinking, while you're thinking of your question, I want to say this, I do find that society's lacking a few things. They're lacking that knowledge that a body loses weight by creating a calorie deficit. I do think that they're thinking a body loses weight by not eating sugar about like that noise right. of all those, like, I, Oh, right. I should cut carbs. You can cut carbs and still not lose weight, you know? Um, but what we're trying to create is that realizing that if I, even with what I'm eating, if I am losing weight, it means, yeah, Jose created a calorie deficit. It doesn't mean that if Robert eats what I eat, that he's that he's also creating a calorie deficit, that we all need to figure out our way to be happy, to feel good, to feel good. So that we feel good about what we're eating, that we're not eating shit all the time and that we're, you know, we feel like we're doing our best, si tu veux, and that we're not also overeating. Do you agree with us, Robert? That I get when I get serious, I say the first name. I do that with Alicia. She Alicia. does. She okay. does. Do you agree with I us, though, that. Robert, that there is that piece that people aren't realizing how they're how much they're overeating, and they might be more using the like, oh, I'm not losing weight because of my genetics, or because like I, I'm counting calories, but I'm just not eating. Do we feel like there's a lack of that consistency? That, that, that the lack of them recognizing or being aware of all the things they're consuming? No question. I mean, I think that's a big reason for the rising rates of obesity that we see is just because people simply are eating more. And, and part of the problem is that food is ubiquitous in our societies. Everywhere you go, I like to say from, you know, in the U.S., from office depot to home depot, you find food. Everywhere from the airport yeah. to the office. And that when there's food in front of most of us, we're more likely to eat. It's just the way we're wired as human beings and we have more access to food. And then you add to that, you know, gigantic portions that people are served when they go to restaurants. And so, and then you have food companies that are relentless and marketing all kinds of foods, many of which is supposedly diet healthy, which is just the opposite. Um, so that people eat these foods thinking they're going to lose weight and, and the opposite happens. So yes, I think we end up eating uh, uh, food, much more food than we even realize just because of the availability of it. And one of the things I talk about is the importance of keeping a food journal. And one of the reasons I think that's very helpful is for people to write down when they're eating and how much they're eating. Because, again, as you say, often we're not aware of it. 
And so if we, you can keep a written record of that, it can give you a better sense of when you're eating, how much you're eating, why you're eating, uh, and, and, and allow you to be aware of things that you may otherwise just simply be not aware of. Well, just so you know, like to, 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 for you to just so you know what we do i had a better word that i you use that i was going to actually repeat um and i was like well that's a good word um but just just so that it's it, people know that we are a self like we're a self-awareness program we help people be more aware and we think that that's the key to to long-lasting weight loss is actually yep. awareness it's not calorie counting it's not exercise yep. it's, it's actually creating awareness around your life your hunger cues your moods your just your body creating more awareness and we do feel like society the humans are lacking that um and so you using those words i mean of course yes it, that was amazing. That was my question. I was going to ask you, um, like to say, how can we, okay, calorie counting, let's not worry about that. But what about calorie awareness? And, um, you know, I had read that in your book that you loved a journal. We actually have a tool for our members called the seven day lifestyle challenge, where we challenge them to keep a journal of everything they eat for seven days with prompting, reflecting questions. And it was exactly what you're saying. And some people, enjoy it so much, they keep going, they realize this is actually an amazing tool for me to create awareness, and they lose weight, just by creating awareness, just by keeping the journal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, in talking about the research, study after study shows that that is a very effective journaling, keeping a food diary is a very effective tool for helping people manage their weight. So there's lots of research to back that up. Uh, and, and, okay. and, and, and it's great that you've got a tool, because I think sometimes people need help you know, figuring out how to do it. But once they do it, they often find that it's an extremely helpful approach. Yeah. I'd like to repeat um, for our members or for our people listening, the two things that I really loved about what just happened was the first one when he said how difficult and inaccurate it is to count your calories, you guys. Alicia and I have been telling you this for a long time. So now that you've heard it from like this professional... <laughs> Do you believe us now how hard it is and how it's not accurate and you end up frustrated and you're not letting any space in your brain because you're so freaking busy counting and don't even get us started on counting macros. Um, so you're just so busy counting that you're not allowing your brain to think about, am I even hungry? Do I even like this food that I'm about to consume? You're just so busy counting and it's all about numbers and you're just not living. And we often, you know, that's a big part of what we do. We want people to live their life. So we do think that not only is the diet industry creating a lot of noise, we do feel like there's not a lot of us, aka Alicia and I, out there in the world trying to help regular humans <laughs> try to lose fat around their organs. It's mostly like fitness coaches. We often say the 22 year old that lives alone in her apartment with no kids and is like her prep is all perfect and her macros and she knows how much protein she ate in the day. And like, she likes is so excited to go spend three hours at the gym. That is not most of society. That is like <laughs> most people do not want to do that or like, and so it like, there's almost that space in, in the world of losing weight that is not being talked about. That is meeting people where they're at. Um, 
you know, that there is benefits to going from 300 pounds to 250. No, you're not a fitness coach. No, you're not lifting weights, but there is benefits on your, on your, on your knees and organs to just lose fat, you know? Um, and it's just like that conversation sometimes is not there. And just though your, your book was like at the end, um, you know, you talked about, I mean, I would love to have that conversation about, um, weighing, weighing yourself. And that that was my next question. Okay. Go for it, Leash. Go for it. Um, I, you know, we get asked this question often and it's a hot topic and we see a lot of people struggling with their relationship with the scale. There's a lot of drama with the scale. We see people calling the scale bad names. Um, and we have our advice that we give people. And I'm curious, what is your advice as to how often someone should weigh themselves? Well, I'll say this, what the studies show, and there are studies that show that people that weigh themselves more often, that is every once a week, every day, whatever the case may be. Um, are more successful at managing their weight overall. That's what the studies show. Now, there's a big caveat here, though. There are plenty of pe people, though, for whom not only does that not work, but it creates real emotional distress because it causes them to fixate on their weight. And if they're not losing the weight they think they should, then obviously it, it, it creates all kinds of negative emotions. And so that can further undermine their ability to control their weight and to be healthy. So, so I think that you know it's a highly variable thing. I think for people for whom weighing regularly helps because it provides positive reinforcement, go for it. But for people for whom they find that this causes distress and, and, and negative emotions, um, I would say get on the scale less often. I think whether or not you weigh often, it's important to recognize though, that daily fluctuations in weight don't necessarily mean anything. You know, one day yes. to another, um, we, we gain or lose a pound or two two or more because of changes in water weight, because of change in hormone levels. And so I think sometimes by weighing often and people are fixating on that number, they're fixating on something that doesn't even relate to what they're doing or what their weight is actually. And so I think if you're going to weigh yourself regularly, you have to go manage your expectations and understand what it is you're actually, what the number actually means. And, and this can be a big barrier because if people go in and you know, are, are going to be uh, upset because they gained a pound and not recognizing that it's because of water weight that fluctuates normally, um, that can be a big problem. So, so I think that the bottom line here is it's a very individualized thing and people have to figure out what approach is going to be best for them and what's going to be helpful. And if it's helpful, great, do it. But if it's not going to be helpful, don't feel compelled to do it. Yeah. I mean, do you know what your message was with all of the myths that you covered? Your message was basically, it depends on you. Right. And our business is called Your Way Weight Loss. And we are trying to create awareness with people and say, you, the best diet for you, the best time to eat your food, the best food, the best exercise for you is what you're going to actually do, what you actually enjoy. Like find your way that fits with your life, your environment, your goals, your tastes, your family, all of that. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> Um, well, you know, and I would add to that sometimes that, that's harder initially for people. And I say this when talking about the way to eat, because it's not a here's the seven things you need to do. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Here are the seven foods to eat or not eat. Or here are the seven things you need to do because all of us want, OK, what do I need to do? And so in that sense, it's harder because you don't have what you need to do. But in the long run, obviously, it's going to be more successful because what you design is something that's going to work for you in the long run. And obviously, the long run is what this is about. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And you've got to be able to figure out what's going to work for you. So, yes, there might be some more effort on the front end, but it's going to pay off in a big way over time because you're going to figure out what works for you and what's sustainable for you. 
Oh my god! I, I chills. Stop. Chills all over my body. Chills. Because that no, you don't even understand. Yes. I mean, if you knew, and and I think yes. that's what's magical about this leash is because this guy didn't creep us to know what we're about, and you are just saying no. how you feel right now. You just showed up, and I'm telling you, Robert, this is exactly our message. You know what we say? We say, yeah, we know our approach is not sexy. It's not sexy until it is. But it's not as sexy as the 22-year-old fitness coach that's like, here's your meal plan. That's actually sexy for three minutes. And then you're like, crap, I have seven kids and a husband and I... And I hate cottage cheese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, thank you for... I mean, that's why it's so authentic. Because you didn't like... You, you weren't like, oh, these girls are about this. You don't know, kind of. You probably don't know the details of what we preach our members. And so this just makes us feel on top of the world knowing that someone like you is actually... pre Like, this is our program. So you would love our program, Robert. You'd be like, these <laughs> girls are doing amazing things. Well, and, and you're uh, doing what the science uh, shows works. And that's the bottom line. I mean, so many of these other things claim to have a scientific backing, but they don't. And what you're preaching, what I try to lay out for people is what the science, if you look at the science, what the science shows actually makes a difference. Amazing. And, and we say it all the time, like this is the long-term game and we don't, we don't try and trick people into joining and promising them anything. We say, if you want to do this for real this time, if you're ready to put in the time and effort and energy to figure this out, let's do it. Um, okay. Next question. Often another question we get often, and I loved your take on this. Um, how do I find my goal weight? How do I, how, what should my goal weight be? Should it be, what should it be? Well, too often it's, it's a number of things. It's what you, somebody weighed when they were in college, or it could be what they, oh, yes. what their lowest weight ever was, or it's yes. what they heard somebody else got down 30, 40, 50 pounds, whatever. Um, or, you know, it's some, some, somebody they see on Instagram and what they weigh. So, or it's BMI. And I talk in the book a lot about BMI and the problems with BMI, that it's, it's not a very good indicator um, of, of what we should weigh, even though it's presented that way. So, so the bottom line is there are all kinds of ways people use to figure out what they, what they should weigh. And most of them are not really good indicators. I think the best indicator to answer your question is a weight that is healthy for you. And that is to say something that a weight at which you're going to be healthy and a weight that's going to be sustainable for you. Those are the two key criteria, I think. And, and again, it, it may not be the lowest weight you've ever had. It may not be what you weighed when you were 20. It may not be what your friend weighs um, or what some celebrity weighs on Instagram. But it's a weight that for you is a weight that is going to be and you can measure health a number of ways. I like to think of it in terms of your blood pressure, your blood sugar. Um, your cholesterol, how you feel. Do you feel energetic? Do you feel that you can do everyday activities? Can you live your life uh, fully in a way that you want to? So, so there are a number of criteria you can use to define what healthy is for you, but, but how do you feel overall? And then is it a weight that you can sustain so that you're not going up and down and up and down, but it's a weight that's sustainable over time. And so that, is a, that to me it would, be the, would be the way you define what the right weight is for you. I, I absolutely love that. And I think that um, what we've kind of brought into the world for with our message is that happiness can coexist with your goal weight. And I do think that often when we're choosing a goal weight, like you said, it's either like a number we've seen in the past or, but we don't think about the lifestyle that comes with that number that we had to live. And we're, we're thinking of just the result, the look, uh, the number and the, the, just how we basically everything physical. 
and nothing with how you need to live your life to either look that way, weigh that number, whatever. And we're not taking into account our happiness. And we're all about like, what is your goal weight? The one where you're like, man, my life is amazing. I get to go out with my, my friends, eat a, like, um, go out for drinks, uh, eat out, have date night, whatever. Like the life that you're like, oh, I'm fully living and I feel good in my skin. Like, I don't feel like I'm trapped in my body. I don't feel, you know, so that is, oh, look at the scale. Oh, that's your goal weight. Cause you love your life and you feel good in your skin. And you have positive thoughts about your body and you're working on your body image. I mean, there's many aspects to weight loss. Like there's a, like it uncovers, it covers a lot. When someone wants to lose weight, think of like everything they really need to work on. Their relationship with the scale, their body image, uh, their expectations, and then it's like managing their weight at the end and wanting to keep that weight off. Um, there's and, and then also not feeling so disappointed while they're on the weight loss journey because the weight loss journey could last years, you know, if you have a lot of weight to lose. So there's it's not just like a, it's this statement that I think is like, I want to lose weight. Yeah, but like, whew, okay. And then you have to create awareness and you also have to create positivity and you also need to be happy at the same time. Like there's a lot. So that's why it can't just be this like stop eating carbs. Like there's more to weight loss than just also counting calories or being in a calorie deficit. There's a lot to it. You know, one of the, I interview a number of people in my book and, and tell their stories. And these stories are not people that lost. It's not how much weight they lost or how many inches they lost, but it's their journey, how they tried a number of these approaches that didn't work and how they eventually found what worked for them. And I think, and I learned so much from talking to these various people and learning about their, their struggles. But, you know, one person in particular, I remember she said, what she learned is that it's not just about what she puts in her mouth when it comes to weight management, it's about what's in her head. And, and that that was such an important revelation that she had to understand um, that it's much more than what she was feeding herself. And it was about her, her emotions and her thoughts and her, all these relationships you're describing, her relationship with food and with the scale and her everyday life and, and all the rest. So think about how Your Red Weight Loss does not provide a meal plan. And we've been around for 10 years. We're celebrating 10 years since Your Red Weight Loss was founded in 2012. And we've never given our members a, a meal plan or an exercise plan because we truly believe like that's not what they need to work on to be able to lose weight and keep it off. And so we're spending our focus, our energy, our mission to change their mindset, to change their language. We call it language. If you can like... The language that you have is way more damaging to your long lasting journey than anything you're putting into your mouth. Like, you know, like if you eat one Oreo cookie, if your language is, well, might as well eat the box, I'm a failure, whatever, that's way more damaging than the one cookie you just ate. Now it's telling you to eat the whole box. Now it's telling you that you're a failure. So see how language has so, so much more of an impact on weight loss than the actual food you're consuming. So that's why we've never put an effort or an, an, an emphasis on it, because if we did, it almost we were almost giving the message that it was that important or that this one meal plan was the answer. And that was never what we were about. Like, it's it's not about this one meal plan for the rest of your life. Like, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, I get all Absolutely. fired up. Can you tell? We do get fired up and, and we it it. it bothers me when I see people in 2021 thinking that they're broken or thinking that it's not possible for them or demonizing specific food or, you know, feeling like because they can't, they, they have, they have knee issues, they can't exercise, they can't be successful. And so, you know, that's our passion is for people to realize that it is possible. And that even if they might not get down to that weight that they were on their wedding day for legit until they said I do when it was over, 
What if you could weigh 30 pounds less than you do now? You don't even realize how, how much value that could add to your life and how great you could feel in your skin and how much more energy you could have. Right, right. And, and I think that's just, that is such an important piece that's often missing. And, and again, these diet plans and you know, diet pushers and all the rest um, too often omit that and, and tell people that you can get down to your lowest weight ever and make people think that it's all about what they eat and that, um, and, and that they can do this. And, and I think that, um, and something that I think is so important for people to have that message in order to be able to achieve success, however they define it. Yeah. Okay. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you, so people are listening to this podcast. There's people listening to this podcast that want to lose weight. So what, what should they do? Like, wh what's your advice? Like, where, do, where do they start? Wh wh where should they put their energy? They should put their energy, number one, and in defining an eating plan, I don't like to use diet because that implies something that's short term to find an eating plan an eating pattern that's right for them. Now, the guidelines that I set out or are the same kind of guidelines that you see when it comes to healthy eating. And that is a mostly plant diet, which means plenty of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, fish, lean meats, uh, nuts, seeds, beans, um, and then minimizing highly processed foods. Now, notice I said minimizing. It doesn't mean never eat an Oreo. It doesn't mean never eat a piece of cake. It doesn't mean never eat French fries. It just means try to keep, uh, you know, minimize foods, eat less of foods that you know that are highly processed, which are foods that tend to, that we that tend to be more consistent with weight gain. Um, so to eat and try to, you know, reduce those and then not have them as regular staples, but have them as, as occasional treats. And you can't do this overnight. So I know that I grew up eating donuts and Pop-Tarts and drinking soda and all the rest. And over time, I had to gradually change my diet. So you can't make changes overnight. It's a gradual process. But to try to move gradually, making small changes toward a diet that's more healthful. And by adopting a diet that's more healthful in that way, then that will be also something you can sustain over time. And, and again, the key here is that you can do it in a way that works for you. So if you, I don't like cauliflower, for example. I don't love avocados. But both of those foods are, can be good if part of a healthful diet. So don't force yourself to eat foods you don't like um, and, and, and find foods within those large groups that you do like in a diet that is going to fill you up. It's going to satisfy you and, and that you're going to enjoy eating. That's the key. Um, and so that's crucial. And the number point number two would be to move your body as I, and we didn't have time to talk about this, but exercise by itself is not a great way to lose weight. And, and unfortunately people are told you got to exercise, you got to do this, lose weight. And we don't burn enough calories, but it is very important part not only of preventing weight gain, but also of enhancing our sense of well-being. And so there are other benefits to exercise just in terms of our overall health. And I think it's an important, a crucial part of just feeling good and, again, preventing weight gain. So those are two aspects that are very important. But we need to go in managing our expectations and knowing what these things can and cannot do for us. And I mean, if there's a message here is, is you need to give this time, right, Robert? Like people need to yes. give this time and realize that there is no overnight success or magic in any program that you could join. You know, the, jo the program cannot make you lose 50 pounds overnight. Um, so might as well go for it like in the long, with the, for the long game and learn slowly to make it your way. Like that's, that's perfect. And I really, I mean, again, we're going to let them, the, the people, the humans read your book and, uh, get your, um, I guess your side on exercise, we loved it. We agree with everything that you said about when it came for exercise. Um, there's a few things that I am using now from your book, a few, I guess, words. Um, the weight the weight control, weight management, because um, we always call it maintenance. Um, and after a while, like, you know, Alicia and I have both lost 70 pounds. 
And, you know, we call ourselves like we're on maintenance, but really, I really enjoyed more that language of right now, everything that I'm doing is just more weight management. Like I'm just like more just making sure that I'm happy that, so it's like maintenance almost still puts you on a, like, we're still, t you know, watching you cause you're just on maintenance. And like, <laughs> but like I've been maintaining this weight now for, you know, five, six years um, and even longer. But um, I mean, I had a child, does that count in the maintenance? That's what happens, right? Like I had a baby, obviously uh, you needed to gain weight for that. And then, but anyways, I just feel like I, I really uh, am pushing more of those words when I'm doing my lives. And when I'm talking to our members about exercise is really good for weight management. It really is. And it's something that is, so it's not the key to weight loss, um, but might as well start that habit while you're trying to create a healthier, you know, um, lifestyle for yourself so that it will help you keep the weight off. You know, that maintenance piece that so many keep saying it's easy to lose the weight, but it's hard to keep it off. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't wake up and I'm like so hard to, you know, keep off my weight, but I did it. I think it's because I did it the right way. I did it slowly yeah. and I've created my way. It's very Jose. Like when I live my life, it's very a la Jose. You know, the things I eat and the way I live my life, like I've really created my own life and it's different than Alicia, you know? Um, but yeah, no, there's so much in your book that we did not cover in this 36 no. minutes. Like, wow. Um, yeah. And I got the same point as takeaway as well from that, that you said, like, we all know, I think, I mean, to people, most people know that eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains and lean meats is good for us, right? We know that. But it's, I love your acknowledging the gradual approach. So, you know, we, we need to meet people where they're at. So guys, if you're listening to this and right now your diet is 90% processed, heavily processed food items, don't try and switch it the other way. Like don't try and go the 90% unprocessed, like go, go 80 Go 70 and then and make that a habit and live that for a couple months and then keep going. Yeah. And, and obviously making small changes can make a big difference over time. And Huge. I give examples. If you if you like to eat candy every day, then that's okay. But try to eat, maybe start doing every other day and substitute fruit. Doesn't mean you cut it all, go cold turkey and cut it out at once. It means that you make small incremental changes uh, and that over time will add up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is it over? Is oh, it over? We could stay here all day. <laughs> okay. Well, tell us where the people can purchase your book. Your book is out now, right? Like uh, people can go in and, and buy because I know that it was just published not too long ago where it's like out. Tell us a little it bit is more out. about your book. Yes, it is out. It is available through Amazon. That's It's the, the easiest place to get it. Or you can go to my website, which is healthyskeptic.com. And you can get it through the website that'll take you to Amazon and that there I have a number of videos on there too. So I invite people, the number of videos covering a lot of the topics we've talked about today and others that I have short videos. So people are interested in learning more about my take on these things. I invite them to go take a look at the videos. Oh, that's amazing. I missed that. Was it on YouTube, those videos? On healthyskeptic.com. Okay. Amazing. Healthy and perfect. Instagram is also healthy skeptic, right? It's healthy skept, S-K-E-P-T. All right. We'll certainly tag you to, to when we post this um, this episode. Um, again, I mean, thank you so much. Thank you for your thank time. You. We appreciate your time, sir. Um, this was so fun. And I, like I said, guys, you need to go and uh, purchase this book. Is it um, available on audio, audiobook? It is not available on audio, So, but it is an e-book and uh, paperback. So okay, uh, perfect. You oh, you have such a good e audiobook voice, though. <laughs> you do have a good voice. I, Thank yeah. you. 
when you arrived, I'm like, oh, he has a good voice. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Thank perfect. You. So go and you need to go check him out. Um, and again, you guys, you need that, this book. Um, again, so thank you. Thank you, Robert J. Davis. Um, we're going to keep following you and um, and and try try to creep us a little bit and see what our message is. You'll love it. You'll love, we're entertain we're entertaining. You'll see. I I will keep creeping you. Thank you. It's been really fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. So you know where to find us. Um, so Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram under Your Way Weight Loss, um, or join us at yourweightrsupport.com. Until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye.